0: Welcome to the Ball Meadow State Podcast. Today we are joined by Lou Bezik from the state newspaper. Um, Lou's been in South Carolina covering high school athletics for over 16 years and he's also a two-time South Carolina Sports Writer of the Year Award by the National Sports Media Association. Lou, thanks for joining us today.
1: Appreciate you having me on, John. I really like what you're doing and uh, glad to uh, I'm uh, glad that you had to have me on.
0: Well, well, thank you. Um, Lou, tell us a little bit about your career path. What what
1: led you to become a sports writer? <laughs> well, sports, I've been, I mean, all my life. I mean, I played sports. I wasn't very good, to be honest. I played basketball up into my uh, sophomore year, and then I stopped playing. And I never played football. I did some other stuff, uh, played racquetball, golf, and that. But uh, I just always loved sports, even when I was four or five years old, my Mom and Dad tell me about the stories that I used to do. And I used to, sometimes watching games, I would t- turn the sound down and do my own broadcasting and uh, of games and just uh, lo- loved sports. So I was a big Steeler fan, still a big Steeler fan. Uh, watch all their games, Pirates, um, Ohio State, Buckeyes. And uh, just uh, whenever there was a game, um, never miss a high school football game uh, from our town or go to a lot of basketball games. And when I started playing, it was fun. Played up through middle school and uh, little um, like when we were younger in rec league and then like I said up to high school and then k- kind of knew that uh, I don't know uh, <laughs> I might have peaked I mean I was a good free throw shooter that was about it and that's uh, that was about the peak of my athletic career
0: yeah that was about the peak of my athletic career I think I won a free throw championship at an Irmo basketball camp one time and that was about it for me but uh, what was your first writing job that you had
1: First writing job uh, in college. I, I wrote for the newspaper. I went to college in Springfield, Missouri. I wrote for the paper called the Lance. I think I wrote two or three years there. Um, first paid writing job was for the Morganton News Herald in Morganton, North Carolina. <clears throat> I had worked. Uh, I was in North Carolina. I'd worked for a baseball team, the Hickory Crawdads, and then I um, things they basically let the whole staff go. After. It's pretty much turn the turnover uh, after every year. It wasn't really a, a full-time permanent job so a friend of mine that I roomed with in college uh, he lived not too far and he told me about this uh, job opening so I got that job I was a writer and then I became a sports editor there and I worked there I think two or three years before I moved to South Carolina. Okay tell us about some of
0: your favorite games and moments you you've actually covered.
1: Uh, Some I mean some are recent the Zion Williamson uh, I remember um, it was before his sophomore year i believe yeah it was because it was before his sophomore year um they talked about it actually Kerry rich kind of put me in contact with uh, mr anderson uh, zion's stepdad and they had he had he was coming off that big uh, top 100 camp and they're like well why don't you go do stories about the burst on the scene so so i get up there we went up to spartanburg day i talked to his coach coach sarder and he's like yeah sure come up so when we get there the whole Duke coaching staff is there. Coach Krzyzewski, uh Nate James, John Shire, they're they are all there. Uh, Louisville, North Carolina State, there's like seven or eight schools. He had met with Krzyzewski for like an hour. Uh, I sat in for – we watched it. They worked out. It wasn't some of the – was some of his team wasn't a full team workout, but uh, just kind of saw firsthand what people were talking about. And then I got to spend about 30, 35 minutes um, with him, his mom and his stepdad and even his little brother kind of chimed in on the interview and i I thought that was pretty cool and then getting to see him a couple months later when he came to chick-fil-a and he dropped 50 against great collegiate that's one of the best games i think performances i've seen i think the only shots he missed were three pointers and he he was just dominant just that whole process i was able to see him maybe a dozen or so times and um actually missed his commitment thing i had to go out of town that day but uh it was uh it was fun, the whole Zion thing. Uh, same with John Morant, didn't get to see him as much, uh, but being there for his uh, hometown day and some of the games here. I remember Flora's championship a few years ago, basketball-wise, when Josh they and Christian Brown was a sophomore, and the, the, that team that team was fun to watch, and they they had uh, uh, James Reese, I think. Uh, the game before, two games before, it was the third round, I think it was in, against Berea, he hit a three-pointer uh, to put him in the lead late, and then they won, won it late. He had another one um, a couple games, or the next game in the Upper State Championship in Greenville, so that was pretty fun.
0: When you interviewed guys like Zion and Ja, could you tell those guys were different, or do they have a different media savvy about them or a personality that you, you don't normally see out of normal high school students?
1: Zion did, uh, for sure, with that smile. I mean, you get that smile, and he he was—he didn't give you the same padded answer, and he really thought about his answers uh, and uh, just how humble he was and just how appreciative he was. He, ex- like, embraced the spotlight. And some of these kids, they they shy from it. They don't want the, the hassle and that. But he, he embraced everything that um, kind of went along with it. And then to see him uh, last year when they came – in the town for uh, the ncaa tournament same thing It just there was about 50 or 60 media members around him it was a little different because uh, uh, of the few times i remember after his skiza tournament game basically there was a whole line of people waiting for his autograph in there but we me and i think another media for his uh, i think maybe his last game he sat out at a table and signed autographs for about an hour I mean, just the explosion. I mean, they had to – they moved his game specially all to the um, Spartan – or to the Sumter Civic Center, and um, it's just – it was it was amazing. And to see the at the Chick-fil-A Classic, they had to shut the doors down, the, those nights that he played, and it was just amazing to see.
0: Well, it was, he was crazy, because I remember when he – I just got the job at Ben Lippin School, and we still had some games to schedule – and I saw that he was the MVP of the NBA Players Association Top 100 game. Mm-hmm. And I said, we, we need to play this guy. And so we were able to schedule a home-and-home with him. Um, and I will tell you, I had no idea he was that good. I mean, I knew he was good, but I had no idea. And when we hosted that first time we played him at Ben Lippin, I, I, re- I remember it so well because it was the night of a, a state championship football game. I actually think you were probably covering Dutch yes. Fork that night. yes. And before the game, there, there was just a buzz in the crowd. It was incredible. And my uh, athletic director at the time, Scott Jones, and head football coach Derek White, they were so nice to take a picture with Zion before our game and post it on Twitter. And you could just see how well he handled the spotlight and how well he enjoyed the moment being with his uh, teammates. So that, that he he was somebody special uh, for sure.
1: We got to be on Sports Center that night. You guys got to be on Sports Center on uh, uh, different. Uh, probably did not not, but you got the attention i mean the top 10 play from that that night
0: uh yes i'll still never forget the day before practice where i'm talking to my guys and i was like if y'all let him run free you're going to be seen by hundreds of thousands of people on youtube and of course i was wrong i said next day in practice y'all were seen by millions of people letting him do that <laughs> um what is one of the events or a couple of events that you look forward to covering each
1: year there's especially uh the state championships, whatever. I, I like the football championships at Williams, Bryce, and even the ones at Benedict class Two A, one A and two A, but I really love the state basketball championship. I love that Friday and Saturday. Um, it's a lot of basketball between the girls and boys, but I just love the intensity in the arena. Um, the the quality of competition as well and we've had some success in the Midlands at least since I've been here uh, you got Ridgeview and Gray winning back to back Kenan won again last year and just seeing that and the culmination in the journey uh, I like that I like Chick Fil A and I like the Bojangles Bash um, which uh, you you know all about when, when your time at Ridgeview and I think that event is grown and we've just you see now other tournaments everyone. You see this preseason tournament now this year uh, starting at Blythewood and Keenan, Lower Richland, and then Brooklyn Casey with their new arena. They're hosting the tournament. Uh, Phenom Hoops, uh, Big Shots uh, hosting tournaments. So I think th- that fact that the how much basketball that they that is loved around here in the Midlands and now even across the state, just with the explosion the last few years. It's always been good. I mean, you could talk about the 80s and 90s there, but we've had uh, the last uh, five eight years or so, uh, really enjoyed uh, a high-quality competition and uh, future NBA players. You could see it on different rosters. You coached a guy that's uh, playing for the Jazz and Jarrell Brantley. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun to see.
0: Yeah, it, it is amazing that our little state has, has – uh, I, I say that um, kind of funny, that little state that, that we have so much you know, basketball – tradition and just excitement and you consider all the different events that we have here in south carolina whether it be the bojangles bass the chick-fil-a classic the beach Bowl classic you know even the nike peach jam in north augusta what would you say some what, what are the toughest parts of your job or the least favorite things that you do that maybe you know, us coaches or fans or players don't see
1: Tough, I mean, just little things, just tracking down information, just getting – even just tracking down scores. It's not hard to do now as far as uh, getting things done. But uh, reporting on the tough stuff, we, we earlier this year we had, I mean, recruiting thing with uh, Blythewood uh, High School and uh, some of the other Richland 2 things. I mean, th- those are probably tougher things uh, that coaches and uh, – players don't want to see, uh, happen, but I mean, it's a newsworthy story and it's definitely one of the tougher jobs, uh, when, when you got to call a coach that's, or say like a kid gets in trouble and the coach has to, uh, talk. that's some of the tougher things. I think, uh, just, uh, their response and you don't, you want to be sensitive, to uh i mean a serious thing whether a kid gets in trouble or arrested or whatever luckily we haven't had to do too much of that lately but i mean those are pretty tough things and just managing the time i mean so many high schools we have 34 high schools and we have so many sports right now the fall is kind of fall and winter are kind of easier because there's not as much going on you do have a lot we were wrapping up right now and then you get into basketball and wrestling but then spring is just wide open you have Baseball, softball, you have golf, tennis, more, something every night. So uh, definitely uh, time and uh, balancing your time and priorities.
0: Well, that kind of leads me into the next couple of topics. We talk about uh, you know how hard and different schedules that you have to to work. How do you manage your, your work life and your family life and all those responsibilities with, with – with? I mean, I know as a coach it's hard enough, one sport, one team, but all the different events that you all got to cover, right? How, how do you manage that?
1: Yeah, just try to uh, – Luckily, we don't. I don't have kids yet, and I got married later in life, so which was good. I just, uh, I got a very understanding uh, wife. She she know, she kind of knows. I, I don't know if she knew really what she was getting into. Now it's uh, things are a little bit busier, but I try to just uh, make time. Um, like when we have a free weekend, and I've been a little bit busier this year covering uh, South Carolina on. on uh, weekends uh, football uh, with uh, one of our writers leaving and that so that's been even a little bit busier taking up more weekends in the fall but uh just understanding i try to uh, do my best to shut it down like at a certain point in the evening and uh, what you don't get to and uh, and just so you don't you don't want to ruin your family time and um and trying when you're we got a free weekend or something go and do something with her spend special time and um Luckily, most of my family's not here around here, so I don't, uh, unfortunately, don't get to see them as much, but uh, just uh, do your best to uh, balance all that.
0: When you, you know, I think a lot of people know you as at Lou at the State on on Twitter. Yeah. What, you know, you've got uh, nearly 17,000 followers. What, What got you started on Twitter, and when did you get started?
1: Well, it was when I was back in Florence. I had to, there was a day I was covering the, um, Darius Rucker's his uh, Monday after the Masters, and they're like, "Well, you're gonna go down. We, we want updates, people updates, and that." So I forget what day that was. I know I remember the day. I remember because uh, Jerome Bettis was there, and Darius Ruckers, got to walk with Darius Rucker and Annika Sornstam. That was when she was there playing, and just started that day. And <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we started updates, posting pictures and some videos, and now I mean, now it's uh, oh, it's part it's part of your job. And now, I mean, to get your stories out there when they're out. um, And that's another thing. Try to give information, but you don't want to give too much information because that would take away from the stories and stuff. But people want little breaks as far as when you're at a game cover, and they want – updates and then little things uh, that you might be as uh, football. It's a little more because I'm usually on the sidelines for games and uh, basketball too. You can see what's going on. So it's easier. So I think it's uh, important for people to keep update um, as far as uh, what's going on. And uh, I just interact with people. People have questions like this time playoffs. There's a lot of scenarios, uh, tiebreaker stuff. People I've had a lot of people ask questions over the last few days and just be able to interact with people, uh, and you get positive, and there's some negative, but that's part of any job. Coaches know about the negative, whether it's the fans or parents or whatever. So that's just uh, part of the job. Well, I think you do a great
0: job of being interactive on it and, and active. I mean, there's been many times – I think some of us coaches probably been upset with you at times because you know when some of our games are rescheduled before we do. <laughs> you see it on Twitter. You figure we gotta, we got to go to Lou to find out when things are, <laughs> are done. What what role do you see social media playing in high school athletics now?
1: Oh, it's huge as, as far as – especially in the recruiting. Kids could uh, – they put their uh, highlight tapes out. And it, I mean, a lot of times they're, it would take a day or two. Now, I mean, within an hour or two of games, kids got their highlights of that uh, coming up uh, out on uh, on social media so coaches could see, which is a good thing. Uh, social media kids, I think, still need to watch what they say. I think that that's a big thing because these coaches are watching, and that's what I people or kids that ask. I'm like, you better watch what you say and uh, the language and how you uh, rep- carry and represent yourself, how you talk to women, how, whatever, because um, they're they're watching everything. So, and I think it plays a huge huge role. Um, sometimes it's. Good as far as getting uh information about kids out there, other times it could be too much about look at me, look at me you lose by thirty points, but yet you're quick to go put your highlights or what, whatever you might have had a good game, so that i I mean that's a balance that a kid has to learn uh themselves but th- that's a tough thing and it's it's evolving I mean it's new for everyone in the last decade or so, so uh, I think everyone uh, it's all part of a learning process and they got to do what's best uh, for themselves. What,
0: what are mistakes that you see coaches make high school coaches make when they're on social media?
1: Complain as far as, uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with complaining. Um, maybe I've seen coaches getting in bickering spats with other coaches. May, I mean, it's happened. Uh, and it's, whether it's AAU coaches, whether it's, uh, um, basketball coaches, football coaches, just, just complaining. And, uh, I think uh, they, you kind of got to watch what you say. And I think some people have learned. A lot of coaches that maybe were a little more uh, vocal in that uh, before the season, they've learned to tone it down. Whether things have happened and stuff. So yeah, I think that j- just the complaining. And uh, um, one one good thing though too, with social media, the coaches they um, they find out the positives too. And you put the positive. You want to put treat your program, put it out in a good light, even though, say, like you're struggling going through a year, and uh, coaches still uh, have a positive thing to say, but I could see whether it's official, people complaining about officials or parents, and that, that's not the place for it. I think it's still one-on-one um, phone call whether and, and talk about things like that. I don't think uh, airing your dirty laundry is the place for it to be.
0: You know, now, now that we bring that up, I talk a little bit about dirty laundry. What do you think? I saw someone post this on on Twitter. I believe it was Alan Stein that talked about how is baseball one of the last places where the managers can go nuts on the umpires, and it's considered acceptable. Do you find that uh, a little old? Do you find that okay when you see baseball
1: managers? Yeah, do it that? is really because I mean, if you're going nuts in basketball coaching, you get teed up. Football, I think they let you go a little bit, but you don't see it. You see it a lot, but I mean, I don't know if the refs don't pay attention or they're a little bit oblivious. They might be a little bit more down the field, but basketball, you're right on top of it. And baseball, you come out and (laughs) you're right in that, and they let you go. And uh, that's, you talk about slowing the game down. That, that, I think does that, but uh, for some reason, I don't see it stopping. We saw it in the World Series. I mean, David Martinez had a had a right to be angry with that call. Um, it just took him a couple plays, really, that he did it between innings too. But it was weird. But yeah, you see that. Um, I don't know if we will ever see uh, that stop because I mean, they even though they might not get anything out of it. I mean, you got a replay now, but still, even after that, they they still have uh, complaints. So.
0: What, would, what advice would you give maybe to, to coaches and athletic teams that have social media accounts? What would you like to see more content or more information out there? What, what would help you all
1: more? Schedules. I mean, scheduled game. I mean, a lot of them are doing it uh, as far as just putting scores out there. And uh, I, uh, for games that we can't, that, that's first and foremost. And I like the ones that put uh, stats with it too, whether your point totals, whether uh, your stats, what what's going on. And uh, we've seen it now even more. I, I like the videos a uh, little bit of hype videos, practice videos. Some, some schools do it a little bit too much. Uh, but, I mean, I, I like to watch some of those videos. They're creative and maybe even like highlight videos after uh, games. They're, they're fun to watch, games that you can't be at. You can see uh, some things. And uh, I know uh, Westwood here, especially the rosters, like football-wise and even basketball, you have your roster put out for that game or your starters and whatever, and that helps as well. Okay you know transition to a different topic uh, what are your thoughts on the
0: NCAA saying that it's going to allow athletes to profit for their name image and likeness
1: I think it's good and it's something that I was kind of surprised they kind of changed their stance they had been so, so staunch of we don't want the we want the amateur model we want the old um, way of doing it but it's changing and they needed to make a change and it it took maybe some the states that were kind of gonna like California, South Carolina, Florida uh, that were gonna go through with legislation to kind of tip their hand a little bit and kind of force that and I think I think it's a good idea I mean kids should be able to make money off their likeness whether it's a car dealership or you want to billboard whether it's a restaurant or whatever you want to go sign autographs meet meet kids like a meet and greet and what's wrong with uh uh, making a little bit extra money but uh then now's the tough part and i mean it's good to do but i don't know if you'll get resentment from the ones that aren't going to make the money but that's part of any job i mean there's people making more money than others i mean that's just the way it goes and um I think it's a good step forward, and we'll just see how it is, uh, number one, legislated and enforced. I think that's the big thing. We, I mean, think me and you had talked about that earlier this week, just how is are they going to enforce it, yeah. and how is it going to change recruiting?
0: You're right. It's the the devils in the details. I, I, they, to, they they put out there they didn't want it to create a competitive imbalance.
1: Well, there already is a competitive. I mean, what's the haves and ha I mean, you look at some of those um, – the weight rooms and the facilities and that there, there is a competitive imbalance, but there could be now you're going to have boosters. Boosters don't have to hide really anymore. They could come out and say, Hey, we're going to pay you such and such to, um, to come and do an autograph show or whatever. And they, they don't have to hide that, that, but now it's a prospective senior or, or is that booster telling, Hey, if you come here you're going to be guaranteed so much money if you come and uh be part of our business do billboards commercials whatever how will that affect a kid's decision to go to such and such a school and that's where i mean where do you draw the line if that's fine then i mean doesn't it have to i yeah. mean isn't it going to make it i think this i think is it's going to, going to be
0: huge i i i, I do as well and, and I, then
1: people don't think about it though now um I just want, hey, kids need to meet, make money, and then it's gonna open up a variety of uh, different opportunities, different uh, maybe problems or whatever. But um, people have been crying for it, just like people have been crying for playoff in college football, and I think it's been good. And you might need to go to maybe eight teams or whatever, but when when you do that, so, some things suffer. And uh, like you see, the bowl games now, as far as the, w- with the recruiting, I mean, you gotta have a limitation. Mean, can boosters talk to kids before they st- I mean, step foot on campus or um, what that what that's going to entail? Well, I even go back. What is going to be the
0: impact on high school athletics because of all this? I, I, I think somewhere down the road it's going to have a huge impact.
1: Yeah, say like, okay, it would be a kid, one move, maybe play at a South Carolina or Clemson that's out of state and wants to come to a school here but in a South Carolina booster said, hey, come move, play your senior season here. Will and, and that going forward, yeah. I mean, it's gonna, it's huge, and especially in the bigger, you see these big, bigger schools, um, in bigger cities, the Sierra Canyons, like where uh, LeBron James' son and D Wade's son's at. I mean, you can go out there and play for a season, but you can get that money. I mean, get that equity. I mean, and maybe someone from UCLA or someone from uh, USC or um Cal or whatever and start. Kind of get the ball rolling with that and say, hey, you want to come here even as a high schooler, we'll, we'll take care of
0: you. Yeah, I mean, what's going to stop a uh, Nike or somebody from wanting to, to to pay Zion to be a a, a sponsor to to promote their product? And, right. And, you know, hey, someone in Kentucky, they you know, basketball funds that they have, come come live up here in Kentucky and go to school in Lexington. And I I, I just think this is um, there. There's so many. Um, As people often say, unintended consequences are going to happen with this. But I think it's going to be dramatic. And I know the NCAA is going to place a lot of – they say a lot of restrictions. Of course, I'm going to see how how are people going to handle the the restrictions they're placing on it.
1: And I think it's going to create a lot of jobs. You're going to need people at schools, like an extra person or two in your logistics department to make sure your kids are not – I mean, to – as far as the money and stuff like that, and do they cap it, or is there so much a person can use? And what do you do with the money? Do you get it straight, or do you get to put in a trust or something until they graduate or until they leave the school? Um, that's another thing. And then also, say, what if a kid gets hurt? Does that person not get that money? Is it guaranteed to write off? Say, like you got to deal with a uh, an Applebee's or a Wild Wings, and in that town, and but then you get hurt. Your likeness is not as much as uh, when you were playing. So and they may, did they have your replacement come in, in and fill? So there's a, just a lot of different things. And I mean, it's got a year and a half. What is 2021?
0: January 2021, I think, is when they said they wanted. Uh,
1: the, the yeah. So you got. I mean, that's a good. And some people say, is that enough time to? But I mean, you got uh, almost uh, over a year now to see see what's going to happen. Even got down to the the finances, how it's going to affect the athletic teams.
0: I mean, because there's going to be some some businesses out there that are going to want to sponsor a player, but maybe now not a college. I and mean, you know, there's just so many, yeah, rooms.
1: boosters. Yeah, you might want to. You might be better off not advertising with a certain college. I mean, just having your advertisement worth the player. I mean, uh, that might be better for your business. Yeah, it's going a to lot, a lot of different things and a lot of th- things to weigh. It's going to be interesting seeing how this all plays out and how it's. Uh, it's ruled and legislated.
0: Yeah it will be fascinating to see. Um, we're just about a week away now from the start of the high school basketball season as far as practice and getting going with that. What, what are some of the top storylines and things you're interested this year with the maybe girls and boys basketball?
1: Well, you look at the the boys I mean you got a lot of repeats going. I mean Dorman where they're going for four in a row. Uh, they, Ridgeview's going for three in a row. Gray's going for three in a row. Can that keep uh, going, Keenan coming off the state championship, but they, they lose their, uh, one of their top players. He's out at Sunrise in Dylan Jones. Um, I think that Dorman, what, what Thomas Ryan's done up there, has been fantastic, and they have got two guys like P.J. Hall and Miles Tate, and they, they, got, some, they got some talent coming in at watching at the Scholastic camp in the summer. They're not going to be – they're not missing out a, a beat. And uh, just to see that, same with Gray. They lost a lot from their team. I mean, the guys like Khalil Robinson, Tommy Bruner and that, but those guys that are coming in, they got some athletic dudes. And uh, as far as Ridgeview, I mean, now they just announced yesterday they had Carlos Powell to the staff, and I think that's – I mean – You see a guy, a proven winner like that, to could work with uh, guys that like like a Javon Benson who's going to Southern South Carolina to uh, help him with his game, and uh, just to see if they're younger guys and see how good uh, this freshman Gregory Jackson from uh, Camden who transferred in is going to be. So it's amazing. It's going to be fun, uh, fun to see. And some of the new you always want to see who the new guy is, new faces. I mean, you had a guy like Russell Jones that was here at, at Westwood. And now uh, he's gone. See who replaces him. Uh, you're, different coaches, different stops. You're you're here at Westwood uh, now, and see uh, see what happens. And uh, I think it's going to be good. And girls basketball the same. I mean, Spring Valley uh, they made it championship. They lost a lot, a lot on that team. Uh, same with Westwood, the girls. a but I think uh, coach. Uh, the, I think the Redhawks will be pr- pr- pretty good uh, that way, and uh, see these young young stars, especially on the girl side in the area. You got the Malaysia Wiley at Keenan. Uh, you got the girl from Irmo who's got a USC offer. You got Ashley Watkins who's at Cardinal Newman, is top twenty recruit in the country, and uh, you got also the girl at Camden who's got a USC offer. She she's young as well. I think the uh, Dawn could. I mean, she could. Get part of a recruiting class by, and she might not even have to leave that the area with the talent that that's coming in.
0: Yeah, there is a, a lot of good uh, girls' talent and and boys' talent. Um, you know, do you believe there should be a, a shot clock in high school basketball, or do you really think that's not such a big deal?
1: I think it would be good just to see what it would, how would it would affect the game, just for an experiment. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong. With uh, trying it, I mean, other states have you could try it, and I could see the the people that are against it. It's a money thing, having competent people to run it. Maybe more at smaller schools, but I, I think in these preseason and holiday tournaments, why not see see what's at? See if you get um, the pace of plays better and more fluid mode motion and movement and uh, I, I see why not I mean just just to see uh, you don't want to see teams hold the ball for two minutes you, you're paying money to go see a basketball game you, you don't want to see teams hold the ball for two minutes and they don't a lot of teams like to play fast now but still I, I, I think a uh, shot clock well why not at least give it a, a trial run uh, maybe put it out there say it's going to happen in a couple of years have that time to get everything uh, the logistics as far as the money getting getting it, everything installed getting people to work and uh, then and then go from there why not i'm i'm all for uh change just to see what i mean what you can get out of it
0: i'm certainly a proponent of it i think it would uh help high school basketball in the long run i i do think it would take a while for it to completely you know take effect and you know adjust to it um you know, it took probably uh, a, a while for the three point shot in basketball to.
1: Yeah, people were against that coming in. They didn't want that, even in college basketball. And look at how it's revolutionized college basketball now, even in the pros. I mean, uh, most of these these NBA teams that they're, they're any good are they're, they're out good outside shooting team. Golden State kind of set the bar early on, and now um, te- teams that follow it. Uh, the game's the perimeter game now so uh, why not shot clock and uh, see, see what happens?
0: I, I would love to see it. I think it would add to make uh, end of games more interesting instead of trying to hold it for two minutes. I mean you'd have to get a shot up occasionally uh, I, I just think it would be really good I, I think the biggest hurdle a lot of uh, people hide behind is is the cost mm-hmm. of, of installing it, which I, I get that's a concern. I mean it's a, a couple of thousand dollars or maybe even a little less a little more depending on which type of clocks you get and then there's concern well sometimes they have a hard time finding someone to run the regular clock. Now you get find someone to operate right. a, a shot clock um, but I think almost all levels of basketball have it now whether it's be FIBA the Olympics the NBA college I, I just think it will be a good thing and I think it is eventually going to happen it's just a matter of is South Carolina going to be closer to one of the early adopters or are we going to yeah be able it was I mean
1: I mean you guys you guys did a great job proposing and everything and coach Fowler uh, Ed Burns doing that and then I know it was shot down. I mean, it didn't even really get, give it a chance. I, I think just my, my thing is just give it a chance and see, see what you can do from there.
0: Well, I think uh, Coach Fowler will we're, – we're not done with that. I think we're going to try to propose some new things to try to, you know, uh, like I say, just give it a shot and see what, see what happens. So now I'm going to put you on the spot. You are now in charge of the South Carolina High School League. Oh, boy. What, <laughs> what changes do you make? What would you like to see done?
1: Well, I like. I mean, I've got this. They're they're having these competitive balance meetings to talk about the charter schools and that. I sat in the last one. I'll I'll sit in the next couple that they have. It's uh, it will be interesting to see what happens there going forward. That's one of the big hot topics. You got realignment coming up, but as far as realignment, you got these char these charter and private schools and. Is there an advantage? Do they have advantage? That meeting I was in, it was a two-hour meeting, and uh, the private some of the private schools don't, don't think they have a advantage than the others. But uh, that, that's a whole other discussion. But just to see if anything comes out. They're, they're going to discuss these uh, three or four more meetings and see if they're going to propose something. If they follow a model, they're talking about uh, different, um, different states have, uh, as far as like a multiplier or just doing it, on a sport by sport basis, say like Gray collegiate, for example, you keep winning. Uh, I mean, you move up so many points, you get moved up a classification, another thing, and then you, you're there for two years and then see what happens. And if you keep going and you would move up another classification, same as in football, um, for some of the schools, you, you having these charter and, um, uh, these academies, uh, great collegiate, legion, Oceanside, uh, more, I think more are coming. So that's why they're trying to be proactive. I just like to see more them being more out as far as the high school league being just, I mean, sometimes they get a bag of rap. And I, I think that if they're more out there and they're, they're trying to do a better job as far as being out there in the media and just being more transparent, that, that's the word I'm looking for. And I think with their rulings and when there's a suspension and stuff like that, um, I think that's a big thing. Um like you said, the competitive balance and the realignment, I think, is fascinating. Just to see now they have a committee, which is the first time they've ever had it, um, that they're going to kind of do the parameters and uh, have, I mean, you're going to have that committee with, made up of people from around the state instead of just the high school league determinant. And see see what can come out from there because they're asking for input, and now you got this input, see if people want to respond and help. Uh, as well as there, uh, I think so. The biggest thing is, like I said, the charter school, what to do with charter and private schools, and will they um, – there was talk. I mean, even in that, put them in their own classification and they have their own state championships. I don't know. And then if they want to combine them with SKIZA, I don't know if you see that down the road or not. So,
0: Do you have an opinion about what they should do? Or what do you
1: I would like the sport-by-sport sport basis as far as going up. You, you get a threshold, you get so many points, and it's based – one of the kind of the things out there based on your postseason performance. I mean, region titles. I mean, some of these teams are in small regions. so that. But how far are you go in the playoffs, get so many points, you win a state championship, you get more points, and then you go up. I mean, and then you're up for two years, and if you can't sustain it, then you come back. And then I think it will open up things a little bit more, and you won't have that dominance. Um, and, and I think the charter school, I mean, if, if Great Collegiate plays 3A basketball, I don't think that is a That'll be better, that, that to me is better quality competition playing them up. And even in football, you have maybe an Oceanside or when Legion really gets going, I think you're going to see that. Um, that that's going to be the biggest thing playing on a th- 4A level, even though their thing. I think uh, just try that and see what happens. Like I said, they're, they're going to meet these next couple weeks and see if anything comes of it. I would be very disappointed if nothing would be brought. You do all this talk and not have anything brought before um, your the membership and not voted on to see. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens and realignment, how it's going to – will they take lesser teams now? I mean, you take so many per reason. Do they go more towards, like, the top 24 and, like, the highest classification and a lot more in 4A3? a? It's going to be interesting to see. Um, but like we said, the high school league, they, they got a tough job. I, I mean, I know they get – um, picked on a lot but they do got a tough job and there's just a lot to to watch over and as far as um, we talk about the the private school and then the recruiting I mean we've talked all about the recruiting and schools trying uh, um get kids there and uh, how, how do you police that it's kind of like the NCAA there's so much going on uh, how, how, how do you really police it as well
0: there's no question the high school league has such a difficult job i mean it's uh, i all the coaches and people i've talked to all over the country you never hear to me i'm saying you know what i just like my state association my high school league and how they do <laughs> you never hear them say they love everything they do it is it is a very thankless job it's very difficult um some of the the, the things they have to do I, I i don't see them doing the sport by sport uh thing then
1: maybe you try and do the whole school class i don't know if you get that either the multiplier doesn't seem like People are in favor for basically if you're like got one, a number, you multiply it by uh, like one and a half or whatever. That that didn't seem to get, get a lot of traction. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, like I said, nothing might come of it, but I think something definitely cause I think you're going to see more of these uh, char- charter schools or whatever, private schools uh, come up. So, and a lot of them want to be in the high school. Like they could be, you can be like a legacy and, they they're just uh, basically a basketball factory and you can't play against high school league teams I and mean, you couldn't be on your own like that but uh, these schools like Oceanside Legion and Gray they, they want to be part of the high school league so uh, why, why not make it a little different well I'll be fascinated to
0: see what they what they do I think one of the tough things is there's not much of a consensus of, among people what you should do I, it seems like opinions are all over the map how you handle that and what should be done um, and for, i, I I really don't have a strong opinion uh, either way. Now, I will say this: I do believe those charter schools are different from a typical high school, and definitely they've, they've got different rules, they've got different regulations, and um,
1: and they draw. I mean, you, you see the advertising, you see commercials. I mean, great collegiate commercials, and the local. I mean, they're they're advertising, and they they have some stuff that people don't. I mean, that they the college the dual credits and the the half day. I mean, kids go to school for your half day and then you practice – rest of the day i mean it's a little different so i'm yeah.
0: sure we can do a whole podcast episode on recruiting alone i mean it, <laughs> it happens all over the place um you know I, I don't have a problem with recruiting as long as it's done ethically as long as everybody's on the the same terms i mean you see billboards for all sorts of schools not just a not just the charter schools you no. know I mean, you know the public schools are out there we're trying to you know recruit the best players that and, and students i mean parents have more
1: magnet a lot of most of these schools a lot yeah. of them have magnet schools and that's I get it I mean as well.
0: Yeah, so I'll be fascinated to see what they do. Lou, I I really appreciate your time today and and, and this was really good to to get to know you a little bit better and to understand some of your, your thoughts. You, you got anything on your mind? Anything else you got coming up that you want to talk about?
1: I'm just looking forward to it. I mean, like I said, playoffs are getting going in football and basketball. Uh, getting started and looking forward to uh, the end of the year. I mean, end of football and the start of basketball. It's, it should be fun. I think we're going to have a, another exciting uh, basketball uh, season. There's a lot of teams. Yeah, there's the teams we talked about, but uh, there's probably going to be some teams that sneak up there and uh, some players that, that we didn't know about have come in uh, November and December that we're going to be talking about uh, come February and March. Well, Lou, where can people find you at, out there? Uh, on Twitter at Lou at the State, uh, we mentioned, uh, and uh, our work at, at WW w.thestate.com uh, we're running specials as far as our sports pass specials you can get uh thirty dollars for um sports pass coverage it's all, all the sports you want not just high school college every everything you want so uh that's where you'll find it and uh or or you'll see me at a game or whatever you, I'll be out uh, I'm sure uh, uh somewhere at some point these next uh,
0: almost every day for the next three or four weeks well Lou thank you again for your time and, and we really appreciate it thank you thanks coach <laughs>
1: You've been listening to the Balmetto State Podcast. For our show notes and other valuable information, please visit our website at balmettostate.com. We would love to connect with you on social media and hear what you think. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by going to at Balmettos State. Thank you for investing your time with us.